What an excellent day for an exorcism. You'd like that? Intensely. But wouldn't that drive you out of Reagan? It would bring us together. You and Reagan. You and us. Hello, movie lovers. You're listening to Does It Hold Up? The podcast where we talk about some of your favorite movies of all time to see if they still hold up. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And this week we're going over 1973's The Exorcist. The scariest movie of all time, as it's been called. By who? So many people. By who? I just said so many people. Like, all the people. Sure. 17 people have called it the scariest movie of all time. That is all the people. That is all the people. I don't know. (laughs) It's all I've heard my entire life. So, I first watched this movie when I was like, I don't know, 14, 13, somewhere around there. And all I'd heard up to that point is... This movie's so fucking scary, man. Like, you're gonna scream and you're gonna cry. I watched it. I don't know. I wasn't scared then. I watched it for the very first time for this podcast. It's not scary now. I I don't know (laughs) when it was scary. In 73? I'm sure. It preys on really deep instincts that we have towards children. So that might be what is supposed to be scary about it. All right. So in 73, it's scary. Yeah. In 83, you think people are still scared? Maybe. 93? No. 03? <laughs> no. 13? No. 23? Definitely not. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I I would say probably 93. It was probably still scary. Because we were still in the realm of horror movies are like just slashers where just run away and you're good. Fair. We didn't really get into the possession stuff until like late 90s. Early 2000s is when that stuff started really coming on hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. Right after this movie came out and did well, there were a ton of ripoffs, but none were good. Yeah. So they kind of went away for a while. And then they come back in the late 90s. So I think up until 93, people were still maybe freaked out by this. Maybe not scared. Maybe that's the wrong word. That could be the wrong word. Unnerved? Yeah, that I could see people being unnerved by this movie. Freaked out, but not scared. Yeah. Tense? Could be tense. Okay. All right. So this movie in 1973 made all the damn money. Of course it did. All of it. It had a budget of $12 million. And in its initial release in 1973, December 26th, 1973, it made $193 million. In 73, it was number one. Adjusted for inflation, it's $1.15 billion, which is by far the number one movie of this year, if it had come out. All the money. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think this movie warrants maybe that much money. But Once again, again we, you, you say that people have said it was the scariest movie. If it got people to actually feel something, I could see it making all the money. Sure. If you had it, a movie come out now that was almost universally lauded as something being super scary, it would make all the money. Well, like Paranormal Activity. A budget of like $5 million goes on to make $200 million worldwide because people are like, this is the scariest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Exactly. But it's not. It's Do not. I just have a weird interpretation of what's actually scary? Because I tried to watch Paranormal Activity and I fell asleep. It's boring. Twice. It's so boring. Nothing happens. I just, I get bored at these movies. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I You know me. I watch horror movies all the time. I'm constantly trying to look for a horror movie that's actually going to scare me, to frighten me, to make me want to sleep with the lights on. 
It is very rare. There might be like a moment in a movie, maybe, that can slightly get me, but I don't know. I just don't find these things scary. I'm finding myself not finding things scary more and more. Because the more you watch. Yeah. So I'm right there with you. Well, you talked about this right after we watched this one. You said it wasn't scary because basically you're just desensitized Mm -hmm. to horror. Horror movies nowadays are willing to push the boundaries even further. I mean, they kind of have to, to be edgy enough, to be scary enough. They have to push things farther and farther. And I feel like as a people, we're not going to necessarily find something like The Exorcist scary anymore because it's run of the mill now. Yeah, we get 17 possession movies a year. We literally got an Exorcist movie this year. Yeah, and it's, it's what, 50th anniversary? Mm. I didn't even realize it was his 50th anniversary this year when we chose to do the movie. But I didn't either. <laughs> it worked out. It worked out really well. All right, Roger Ebert had to have loved this movie, right? Oh, he gave it four stars. Of course You he know did. he gave it four stars. But what he had to say about it was, I'm not sure exactly what reasons people will have for seeing this movie. Surely enjoyment won't be one. Because what we get here aren't the delicious chills of a Vincent Price thriller, but raw and painful experience. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, you're not coming to this movie for enjoyment of any sort. Yeah. No, it's it's, you're coming to this movie because it's based in reality and it's here to torment your mind. It is to make you feel unsettled, uneasy, to make you worry, basically. It's a theater experience to get you... Feeling something other than happy or excited, you know? Yeah. As for the Rotten Tomato critics, they have it at a 78%. An audience flipped it 87%. But both of them give it an 8.4 out of 10. Really? Yeah. They're dead even on that. They're dead even on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Question. Mm -hmm. Is this movie along the lines of like a Citizen Kane where... We understand the merits of why the movie is good when it was made. Mm -hmm. But is it still warranted that people speak about this movie as one of the greatest horror movies of all time? Just like they speak about Citizen Kane as the greatest made film of all time. And it's like, but is it? Do those numbers reflect, hey, I saw this movie when I was 10 with my dad back in 1987 and it stuck with me my whole life. A plus. Okay, well, when's the last time you freaking watched it? Yeah, I kind of wish they had a, a a ticker on there or something. Like, your rating goes up or down based on when you last saw it last. Yeah. So you ref- are reflected less if you saw it 10 years ago and you're just rating it now, whereas your rating should reflect more because you literally just watched it. So I don't know. Uh, I know the greatness of Citizen Kane. I hate that movie. I think it's boring. I kind of feel the same about Exorcist. Yeah, there's tons of movies. Like, I know our buddy Maddie hate like, he hates movies from the 70s because he thinks they're just so poorly paced mm-hmm. and basically boring. But at the same time, they're some of the greatest films of all time made in that decade. Or is it just because we, know we what have they nostalgic did. memories of them? It could be nostalgia. It could be we know what they did for film. Those movies don't exist. A lot of what we know in film does not exist. You look back at these old movies and they're highly rated. And it's like, yeah, but have you watched it recently? (laughs) Or is this just your memory and the constant flood of information from people telling you this is one of the greatest movies of all time that makes you rate it that high? 
I know there's been a few movies that we've done on this podcast even that I would have said held up until I watched it again. And I was like, ooh. Maybe not. My memories do not do that movie justice. <laughs> yeah. This movie was directed by William Friedkin, who actually just passed away like two months ago. This was what he was known best for. This in 1971's The French Connection, which you've never seen either. But 1971, he wins Best Director for The French Connection. Two years later, he hits the theaters with The Exorcist and gets nominated for Best Director. Come on. That's a that's a hell of a one-two punch then. Oh, yeah. If you're getting Oscar nominated two movies in a row, the only two movies you do in that time frame, and back-to-back, it's like, Granted, he doesn't win for The Exorcist. Okay. He lost out to The Sting, which is a great movie. But I know you, you can stare at me all you want. You've never heard of it. You've I have heard it. of it. Oh. I don't remember anything about it besides knowing the name. Okay, fair. So the other movie he directed in the 70s, well, the first nomination he got and win, The French Connection. Here's a weird thing about that movie. Hmm. I know this pod isn't about that movie, but it's a weird thing. If you watch that movie now... There's an entire scene cut out of it. If you if you go watch it on streaming or whatever, or buy a copy of it now, there's an entire scene missing that they removed because of a racial slur, the N-word, mm. being used. Okay. But they didn't tell anybody. <laughs> like, the studio didn't say, we're going to cut this, we're doing it out of respect, we're doing it because, you know, whatever. Literally, people just all of a sudden were trying to watch the movie and being like, why is there a weird jump cut? And it seems really odd something should be there. And then other people were like, oh my god, this entire like three minute scene is just gone. For one word? For one word. You could have just dubbed that word. You could have done a lot of things, but they didn't. (laughs) It's so weird. It's so weird. I don't understand it. And Friedkin apparently had no knowledge of it happening either. That seems like a bad thing that you didn't get like the okay from the director or whatever it's not his movie studio owns it they can do whatever they want to that's fair the exorcist is the thing he's probably known the best for but he also did some other good movies like 1977 sorcerer great movie 1985's to live and die in la good movie 2000's rules of engagement fantastic movie and 2006 bug which is one of the most underrated films of the 2000s he's a good director i can see why no one knows this man's name except for exorcist uh you can't talk here i know every single one of those movies yeah but you're you that won't film people know film people so as i said he got nominated for best director for this film but did not win this movie was actually nominated 10 times with two wins jason miller who plays father carassis caris caris father caris was nominated for best supporting actor he lost to John Houseman for The Paper Chase. That's not a good movie. Was it's he not. a good performance in it? It was okay. I don't think Jason Miller was all that good in Exorcist either. Fair. So Ellen Burstyn, the mom, was nominated for Best Actress. Meh. She lost to Glenda Jackson for A Touch of Class. That movie's excellent. I can see why she lost. Yes. Linda Blair, 12-year-old Linda Blair, nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She lost to somebody who's a fan of... Me, Tatum O'Neill. Oh. Tatum O'Neill follows me on Instagram and comments and likes all of my stuff that I share. She's a big fan of us. And you should too. And you should too. Uh, Tatum O'Neill, who I believe was 10 that year when she won for Paper Moon. Okay. Big year for kids in at the Oscars, yeah. apparently. 
It was nominated for Art Direction, Best Art, lost to The Sting. Nominated for Cinematography, lost to Cries and Whispers. Horrible mistake there. Nom for Film Editing, lost to The Sting. Best Picture, lost to The Sting. But it did win for Sound. Okay. I mean, this movie relies heavily on sound, and it works for the most part. And it also won for Writing, Adapted Screenplay. Was, like, visual effects not a thing? No. It's just weird. (laughs) How do you get nominated ten times and only win two things? It's happened. Sad. I know it's happened, but like The Sting is a good movie, but if you go out to the people on the street and you go, hey, have you ever seen The Sting? You mean like the dude who fronts the police? The band? No, I've never seen them. That would be my initial thought, right? (laughs) Or the WCW wrestler Sting? No. And I'm like, no, the movie Sting. But if you go out and you say, hey, you've seen The Exorcist? People are gonna be like, yeah, I've heard of it. I've seen it. It's just a weird choice. This is why people complain about the Academy Awards nowadays. Nah, they've never really been in touch. <laughs> Even though The Sting was the second highest grossing movie of the year. Ah. Uh. So, makes sense. Makes sense. All right, so I do have a section here of other information about the movie. Do you want to talk about the movie first? Or do you want this other information? How quick's that information? Because I'm ready to talk about this movie. Let's talk about the movie first. I'll give you the information at the end. Okay. All right. So, the movie opens up with, um, Gregorian Chance. Okay, first of all, the chants are freaking great. <laughs> they put like, you. I was so not ready for Gregorian chants, okay? <laughs> yeah, but they put you immediately in the good mindset. You're just like in it. You're like, yeah, chant at me. Just for some reason, the first like 10 minutes of this movie is an Indiana Jones film. Yeah. And I don't get it. Yeah, it's like 15 minutes of just excavations in a foreign land. Yeah. And it ends with a guy staring at a giant statue while dogs fight. And I'm not sure exactly what kind of mood this opening is supposed to put you in, but it's not, it doesn't make sense. It takes way too long for something that doesn't actually matter for the plot of the movie. It also weirded me out because everything seemed like the video seemed like it was going at 1.5 speed. It was so unnerving and I did not like it, but That's not in like a good way. <laughs> it, it made my eyes just go like, oh my God, slow it down a little bit. This looks so wrong. <laughs> I'm not. I'm clearly not in the real world because people don't move like that. But they do. I'm going to purposefully move like that now just to freak you out. I doubt you even could. I, probably not. <laughs> but we do. We spend like 15 minutes with this guy in a foreign thing. And then we go to Georgetown. We just randomly cut to Georgetown. And we start getting introduced to our main players here. Mm. First, we get introduced to the mom, Chris McNeil, played by Ellen Burstyn. She's a terrible mom. She is also a real B. You can say bitch. It's okay. She's also a real bitch because everything she does in this movie is me, 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 me. Also, uh, let me yell at everyone else for everything. Yeah, she's not a great character. And I'm not sure what the movie was going for here. She doesn't even like turn into a great character or a great mom as the movie goes on, which is really confusing. Mm Mm-hmm. There's like, I don't know, complete disconnect. At least you made her an actress so that her terrible overacting kind of made sense. And her money makes sense. And her disconnect from her daughter makes sense. Yeah. It's like the one good thing they did. Yeah. With her character. Because the rest of it, I I wanted her to kind of get punched in the face. And then we meet Jason Miller, who plays Father Karras. He's the main priest. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. I I have a blank look on my face for a reason. Because there's just... Nothing about this character matters. Well, so what bothers me the most about this character in general is they have a line in here where he talks about maybe losing his faith a little, mm-hmm. losing his way. And the movie just kind of leaves that dangling. 
they mention it, but they never really continue it. Yeah. And it's super weird because it would have been a really interesting aspect to go down with him to be like, hey, this dude is literally losing his faith. He doesn't want to be a part of the church anymore. And then this happens and it kind of brings him back in. Would have been a really cool aspect to explore with his character. But instead they were just like, we mentioned it and that's it. They do that a lot in this movie is mention little like side plots or bits about the characters that should make you care about them. But then they just don't follow through on those things. And it makes it so that I just don't care. Okay. Yeah. I, this is the big one. I don't know of any other ones that stood out to me. This is just the one that well, got me. Also, his mother was sick. Oh, wait, suddenly she's dead. And that's going to be the big thing that Reagan, well, Demon Reagan uses against him. He did 100% what happens. I know, but it was. It, it so they didn't dangle it. They didn't, they didn't drop it. But they drop it for like parts of the sections of the movie. Well, yeah, it's not like she got sick on Tuesday and died on Monday. She's not Solomon Grundy. But we didn't even, like, get to know that she died until much, much later. Because it's not important. We find out she's dead when we are supposed to. That's not... You're, that's a complete different thing that I'm talking about. With the priest, he literally says he's losing his faith, and then they never bring it up again. The mother until dying, Demon Reagan does. The mother dying literally gets played exactly how it should. She gets sick. She goes to the psych ward. We visit her. Then we find out she died. Reagan, Demon Reagan, uses it against him. Is like, your mother's in here. You want to leave a message? I'll make sure she gets it. And That's you're a like, good oh. demon voice. Yeah, it was pretty good one. Yeah. I'll never be able to replicate it. But no. So what are you talking about? That's like perfect. I don't know. Maybe I'm struggling because this movie just didn't give me enough time with any one character that I actually cared about them. All right. I guess that's fair. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So we also meet Linda Blair. Well, Reagan, played by Linda Blair. Yes. Who's the 12-year-old who's going to get possessed. Who definitely acts like she's more like six years old, but looks like she's 15. Well, you got to remember it's 1970. Uh Uh-huh. People are different then. Fair. You were born in the 90s. Uh Uh-huh. You were 12 in the 2000s. Yep. In the 2000s. People who were 12 acted like they were 27? No. Yeah. Well, maybe not your group of friends, but in general, kids nowadays act way older than they probably should. Yes, that's nowadays. That's like 20 years later. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me. I'm older than you. I remember the 2000s way better than you do. But I lived through that time at that age. I just said maybe (laughs) your group of friends know, but in general... Kids always act older than they are. It's much different now than it was then. And it's much different in the 2000s than it was then. You're just wrong, man. Nah. Okay, fine. You pretend. You pretend whatever you want to pretend. But you're wrong. So, here's my biggest issue with the movie. Let's just get this out of the way. The editing is fucking terrible. It's awful. It sucks. It's, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to give away my award right now. The Han Solo shot first award for me goes to the f***ing editing because it makes no sense. You want to talk about how you didn't know characters, you couldn't connect to them, you couldn't get to know them, you couldn't anything? It's because the editing. This whole opening scene where we're, well, not opening scene, but we're about 25, 30 minutes in, it's show Reagan. She has three lines of dialogue, hard cut to the mom in a kitchen saying two lines of dialogue, hard cut to the priest saying a line in church, hard cut to... What is with all these hard cuts? It was can so we, terrible. Can we finish a scene before we cut away from it? 
I actually will agree with you on that award. <laughs> that oh, was, good. That was going to be my award as well because they just decided that some scenes didn't need an ending. We didn't need to know how that concluded. Be- that we're just some time in the future. No idea how much time in the future. But now we're with someone else. And now we're with someone else. And now we're with someone else. And I'm just like, what am I supposed to focus on? <laughs> you are have a lot going on for not showing any of it. Yeah. You're focusing all on the wrong things. Yeah. And it's about, what would you say, 35 minutes-ish before we actually see Reagan even remotely start to get a little possessed? At least. At least 35 35, 40 minutes in. And it's like the slowest possession of all time where it's not even fun. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, mom, my bed shook. Oh, honey, you were just having a nightmare. Okay. I came down and I peed in the middle of your party. Oh, she's been sick. But the peeing one, that's that's okay. Because that's odd. That's weird. That is definitely weird. So that, that's definitely a possession type thing. But like a shaking of the bed. Okay, yeah, you had a, you had a nightmare. So what? Mm-hmm. But then she starts getting sick. And you can see the makeup department getting making her look a little more ill. The lips are a little more cracked. She's, and she slowly starts to go. But then it takes like another 20 minutes before she's like full on possessed. And then she remains at that until the, the end. end of the movie. Right? Like, it's such a weird build to the possession. Mm -hmm. There's nothing for 40 minutes. And then within 20 minutes, she goes from 0 to 100, and then she's just at 100 the rest of the time. Yeah. That's not... It's not interesting. No, you want to see... This is why it's like, you spent so much time focusing on the wrong things, because the actual interesting thing was her actually becoming possessed, and maybe showing us all the steps you took trying to get to the idea that she's actually possessed not being medical that would have been interesting to watch not archaeological dig in the middle of nowhere that had absolutely nothing to do with the plot so is the movie better if we just start with reagan experiencing the sickness and we get to see her visit a whole bunch of doctors and get diagnosed with you know anxiety depression bipolar disorder whatever is that, is that a better movie if we just start there and we spend more time with her trying to be cured by doctors before the possession starts? Is that a better movie? 100%. I'd actually start it a little bit before, you know, get the, this is a very loving relationship between mother and daughter aspect. But it's not. I mean, there a lot of evidence of them being super lovey-dovey to each other, even though the mom's away a lot. I Sure. But I mean, you're going to always be super lovey-dovey with the person that you only see once a month. Fair. So I don't think they're actually lovey-dovey. I think it's just, oh my god, I haven't seen you in a month. Let's talk. That could be too. Terrible mom. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to work. So as Reagan is becoming slowly possessed, like you said, she goes to her mom's fancy party. I'm sorry. Your child is sick as hell and you're throwing a damn party in your house with a bunch of loud-ass people. I know you have a big house, but... How inconsiderate. This is weird, too, because I did not get that she was already sick. I didn't get that at all. No, they didn't do a very good job. of. That's why I said we needed more time there. Mm -hmm. Because it just is nothing. She goes from nothing to sick in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And you're just supposed to know that she's been sick? It's very confusing. So she goes to this fancy party. She takes a piss in front of everybody while she's standing up. And this is when the mom's like, all right, something's really jacked up with my daughter. So this is when she starts taking her to doctors. And these doctors are like, oh, she's just crazy. 
see a psychiatrist. Oh, she's got a lesion on her brain that we actually didn't see in the x-rays, but we're just going to say it's there. We'll, we'll take it out. It's fine. Let us do a EEG that looks like it's torture. Yeah, oh yeah. I That was a note I made. Is even the most basic medical procedures look like they're torture in, in the, the 70s. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because they dump like a crap I mean, ton of iodine on her neck. They literally stab her neck with a needle and then have this machine just whirring all, all around her. As somebody who gets frequent tests for things, it's still torture. I mean, you go get like... Uh, a CAT scan now and they shove you in the tiniest little tube possible where you can't even move and then they're like you're gonna be in there for 15 minutes good luck yeah except the two things that they show us doing nowadays an EED and an an x-ray they look so much different now those are the only two things that when did she get an x-ray it's the secondary test the thing that's really worrying all around her Uh oh that they said it's an x-ray I'm pretty sure they lied. That looked more like an MRI than an X-ray. Yeah, they they because even in the 70s, different. I don't think the X-rays were that weird. intrusive and weird. Yeah. And then, as far as the what EKG? No, EEG. EEG. As far as that, that still sucks. I've had that multiple times. So I I felt for her in those moments. I was, I was like, like, I've been there. Dang, this should be what your movie's about. Yeah. This is what's scary. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like we need more time with her going through all this doctor stuff mm-hmm. and slowly getting worse. It would have been a lot better. So she does. She goes to all these doctors. Nobody can figure it out. She sees a psychiatrist. Nobody can figure it out. And then the doctors pull one of the dumbest things I've ever seen doctors do in a movie when they're in a giant meeting with the mom and they're like, we've done all we can. Have you ever heard of exorcisms? You are a medical practitioner, sir. You should not be promoting exorcisms. Yeah, except is this movie like a hard commentary on the medical field? Constantly just saying, oh, yeah, we know what it is. Oh, wait, it wasn't that. We know what it is. It isn't that. Just thinking they know what what is the problem and not actually knowing. In my page of notes that I took while watching, page and a half of notes, Four separate times, I wrote down, doctors are fucking useless. Because they are, in this movie. Yeah. And pretty much in general, sometimes. Sometimes. There's some good doctors out there, don't get me wrong. But the majority of them are just here to steal your money. And she's a rich actress, who they're like, we're just going to do all these procedures on your daughter, because reasons pay Mm -hmm. us. Oh, we got all the money we can from you? Ah, why don't you go get an exorcism or something? Yeah. What the f- Yeah. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. you can fix that really quickly by, you know, having your meeting with the doctors and they're like, oh, we don't know, we don't know, maybe we'll look for more stuff. And then she's like praying in the church at the hospital and like a random nurse comes. Yeah. And like, she's like, oh, I'm super, I'm a super religious nurse. Have you tried exorcisms? No. They're like in a freaking conference room. Yeah. In like a million dollar conference room with like 18 of them. And the one is just like exorcism. And they're all like, yeah, exorcisms. Shut the f- up. Like half of you would say no. It's so weird. It bothers me so much that moment. But she does. So she looks to go get an exorcism because her daughter's getting worse. She finds Father Karis and is like, yo, do an exorcism. He was like, nah, I got to get with the church. 
She's like, but do it anyway. And he's like, I'll talk to the church. I'll talk to Reagan. Then I'll talk to the church. We'll see what we can do. Because he doesn't really want to do it. One, he's lost his faith. And two, he's a priest, but not really. He's a psychiatrist priest. Yeah. He studied psychiatry. Then he went into priesthood so that he could be a psychiatrist for priests. Which was weird. Sure. Once again, they don't ever really use that to anybody's advantage. Mm -hmm. He doesn't act like a psychiatrist when he talks to Reagan the first time or... He, like, he kind of uses suggestions or, like, manipulations that a psychiatrist might use. Like, I'm going to throw holy water on you. Just kidding, it was tap water. The good old placebo effect. Yeah, but, I mean, I feel like a exorcist would do that, too, so. I don't know. His whole thing was exorcisms don't happen anymore. And I mean, he's no one knows how to do them because they just don't exist. I mean, he's a complete liar. The church has always done exorcisms. Always. If you can make money saying, oh yeah, I'll exorcise you. Yeah, it's gonna. Oh no, the church doesn't take money for exorcisms. Are you sure? Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. They, the Pope up until like 2003 or four or something like that, the Vatican had an exorcist on hand to send out to go do exorcisms whenever it was called for. Like he was the like chosen exorcist. And he would just, like, hang out until the Pope was like, yo, go do an exorcism or something. (laughs) So him saying in 1970s that they don't really do them anymore was super odd. Yeah. But, you know, whatever, I guess. You had to bring in the guy from the beginning who talked about how the last exorcism he did took him a month and almost killed him. And it's like, well, clearly, if this does not take over a month, this demon is not as strong as we thought it was. But also, maybe you suck as an exorcist. If it took you a month and it almost killed you, yeah, get a new job. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to excavating. Who cares? All right, let's talk about this possession, though. Because after she talks to the priest, he goes and talks to her, goes to the church. The church approves an exorcism. Fathers show up. They do an exorcism. They fight the demon. And we get to the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. That's literally the entire movie laid out right there. Yeah. So let's talk about the the possession, though. So we start, like we said, real slow. She just happens to be tired. Or she has a Ouija board that she's talking to a random ghost with and thinking it's real. Mm -hmm. Then she comes to the fancy party and she pisses herself. And then she starts to look worse. Then her whole attitude changes. She starts swearing, yelling at people, fighting people. Like, everything about her changes. And then the bed shakes. She hears things. She says things. Her voice changes. What do we think? Good representation of a possession? Believable? I mean, I've never seen someone possessed. I don't care. So you've seen I would movies. Assume, yeah, sure. Why not? But like you've seen movies. You've seen possession movies where It always shit happens. has the voice change. It has some weird things moving around. Um, I've never really seen like the the pissing on yourself and like that kind of thing but i don't know it's always weird for me when demons possess a person and then change so much about them it's like they're asking for an exorcism no they're trying to become that person they're not going to like take them over and be like you know what just keep living your life i'm just going to chill inside you peace what's up the whole point is to take them over and to kill them from the inside they can't do that without yeah but do it jacking like- them up Do it like a little less so that people don't notice as much and then you can kill them and then, you know. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. 
You can't just, like, slowly kill them by doing nothing. You actually have to do stuff. And by doing stuff, it's going to get noticed. But you're dodging the question. I said, yeah, sure. Is this a realistic possession? Yeah, sure. Oh, my gosh. You've seen movies. I don't know why you're like, I don't know. I've never seen one in real life. But, like, would you believe this one? Would you watch this one and be like, oh, my God, she's really possessed? I guess. It... You're such a weirdo. Yeah. Because, like, I would. This is a really good laid out possession. I like the, I, I like the slow progression of the possession. Try to say that ten times fast. Slow progression of the possession. It works really well. I like that it doesn't just go from, I don't feel so good. There's somebody in my closet. I'm going to kill you. True. I like the weird little things. The her just being slightly off. The trying to go to doctors and do this and do that. It's kind of interesting. And I wish there was more to it. Yeah, I think that's what's holding me back from really liking it is we get so little of it. So one of the things that pisses me off about the possession, though, is... We start with the mom hearing like noises in her attic mm-hmm. and going up to check for them and there's nothing ever there. And she's like, it's rats. And the guy that works for her is like, it's clearly not rats. And she's like, yeah, but go get rats anyway. First of all, he just said there's no rats. So why don't you get off your high horse and shut the hell up? Mm-hmm. Secondly, the noises that it's making, you think that's in rats? Those are some Mondo rats. Yeah. Those are rodents of unusual size. Is that what they're called from Princess Bride? Yeah. Yeah. R-O-U-S's. Yeah. Are you R-O-U-S's? Because they make noise like they're playing a baseball game up in my attic or something. Yeah. And she's like, they're just rats. Bitch, you have an infestation <laughs> of a million rats then. It's so stupid. But I also just don't understand the attic. Where was that coming from? She's possessed, not the attic. Also... We never get a reason, like, why Reagan was possessed, why this house, this time, this person. Like, normally in these things, you either have a reason with that person, or there's an item introduced into their atmosphere, like the little totem they found at the beginning. Like, you thought, I thought that was what it was going to be. And that it somehow was in the attic, and that's where it was coming from. But there was nothing. Right, like, nothing's in the attic, so why are we hearing noises in the attic? No what idea. Is, is this, did the, did the ghost or demon or whatever just kind of like chill around the house for a bit making noises and then was like, ah, it's time and jumped into Reagan? Like, what the? F- I guess. And it wasn't even like it needed to sap energy from things like things were batteries weren't going dead or something like that to like, I have to build up enough energy before I can take someone over. Yeah. It's super weird. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the exorcism itself. Mm-hmm. So the guy at the beginning is Father Marin, who's out on that excavation. It's He's played by Max von Sydow, who, fantastic actor, been in a ton of things. Not great in this movie. He didn't really need to be. No, he just had to show up. Be stoic. And be done. Yeah. What's interesting is he's only he was only 44 or 45 at the time of filming, but he was playing a character that was like 60-something, so they had to age him up a bunch. Well, that worked. Because he did. definitely look older. Yeah. Makeup was great on him. So they show up and they're going to do this possession because Reagan has cuts all over her now. At one point, you can see a word, help me, like getting carved into her stomach, but like from the inside out. Yeah. She completely looks different. Her head is done a 360 rotation at this point. Mm-hmm. It's, she's vomiting, like. Goop? Yeah. But like, 
projectile, like, missile-style throw-up. It's, <laughs> like, going across the room and, like, it's crazy. Sad thing is, is that aspect actually became funny to me because I grew up on the Nickelodeon with slime. That's exactly what I was thinking every time she did it. I was like... <laughs> he said the buzzword. He got slimed. <laughs> That's so good. I didn't even think about that. That Yeah, he definitely is getting slimed. Yeah. Ugh. I'm never going to be able to watch this movie the same again now. <laughs> so Father Marin shows up and immediately he's like, let's go. Let's do this. So he starts throwing holy water on her. She floats above the bed. Really cool. Really cool. Mm-hmm. That's some good work right there. Some good wire work and stuff to make her float. Oh, yeah. She comes back down. Then it's just crazy. This girl is like screaming the most obscene things at these fathers Telling this father to go F that father in the ass. Like, it's so jacked up. It is quite vulgar. And not something you normally see from possession movies nowadays. Like, I feel like no one goes that far anymore. Yeah. Like, they'll do the whole writhing and like, oh my god, I'm being yeah, possessed. Yeah, they, they might say like the F word one time. Like, maybe once. Yeah. But she, it was like every third word out of her mouth. And it was probably some of the most vulgar things I've ever heard. Yeah. Ever. 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 So, the possession, though, is so strong, the two fathers together can't do anything about it. They're trying. They're like, we're going to get rid of this shit. It's going to be great. Not working. Father Karis steps out for a minute because he's he's in over his head. The demon has been talking about his mom that died. Using his mom's voice. Yeah, like freaking him out. So, he steps outside. When he steps outside, the demon kills Father Marin. Off screen. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Father Karras comes back in, sees Father Marin on the ground, starts pounding on his chest, and I'm like, this is the worst CPR I've ever seen in my entire life. I wrote that as well. But also, <laughs> I don't know what year CPR was invented, so maybe it wasn't invented yet. Oh, that's fair. I didn't even think about that. Because I know CPR hasn't, like, just always been around. It didn't get invented until late, you know. So he starts pounding on the chest. Reagan's reaction here, possessed Reagan, of, like, the slow start to laugh. And the, like, childlike nature of how funny it is. Terrifying. Oh, yeah. And she's sitting, like, full up, just kind of chilling. Right? Like, somehow she got out of all her straps and stuff. And, like, it's weird. Yeah. It's one of those ones that, like, I didn't need to see what happened in the room. Because I know what happened in the room. Fair. And it works really well. So, Father Karras is like, I gotta end this in one way or the other. So he literally grabs Reagan, throws her on the ground, and just starts punching her in the face and beating on the demon. Did I not notice that he was actually, like, hitting her? Oh, yeah. He's, like, hitting her. He's, like, smashing her I on the ground and, like, hitting her and stuff. And then he's like, take me! Take me! So the demon jumps from Reagan into Father Karis, who saw that the window was right there, and they live right a bunch of whole sh- ton of steps. So as soon as he gets possessed, he jumps out the window lands face first on the ground, rolls down all these steps, effectively killing himself so that he can kill the demon. Although, his hand moves at the end. Well, because he's not fully dead yet. So can the demon jump to someone else? Only if they allow it. Like, he had to say, take me, take me, and allow the demon in. But how did, Re- did Reagan say that to the I mean, demon? she was using a Ouija board, so... Maybe. Pretty sure that's how it got in. Moral of the story... Either live above a whole bunch of stairs or don't. I don't know what the movie wanted me to get <laughs> from that. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. He dies. They Reagan gets better. They move. 
Because why not? Yeah. A lot of yeah, no, people absolutely. died here. Absolutely move. Yeah. It's like one of the smartest decisions I've seen a white family make in a horror movie. <laughs> move from the haunted house thing. So weird. But that's it. Movie's over. Yeah. I know you said that this movie won for sound. I love the sound. You leave it alone. I- I'm going to have some grumbles with it right now. Ugh, go. Because the voice that comes with Reagan. Mm-hmm. Barely matches her lips, if ever. It's really grating. It's a demon talking through her. It doesn't need the match. But it's just grating. And like, I could, I personally could not understand half of the things it was saying. So I missed probably some chunk of like exposition or even some of the vulgarity because I just couldn't understand it. Yeah, whatever. And then my other little grumble. Yeah. Is the fact that her demon noises kind of sounded like a stomach was grumbling. So I was like. Is this could could Snickers use this as a commercial? You're not you when you're hungry. I think they have. Have they? <laughs> per- I think they have, or at least not this movie. But I'm pretty sure they did a possession one for like a Halloween ad or something one year. And it like, might have been this movie. Because I was like, it just sounds like you're hungry. Give this woman a snack, and she will be right as rain. So the demon voice was played by Mercedes McCambridge, who was a huge smoker. She was mm-hmm. a radio host and a huge smoker, and that's what gave her that like gravel in her voice. Oh, it was supposed to be a chick? Yeah, that's a chick. Oh, I thought it was a dude. Oh, no, that's a chick. I thought it was great. I don't know what you're talking about. It just, it took me out. And the fact that I couldn't understand it. Here's some other information about this movie. Okay. The movie was based on a book from 1971 of the same name, The Exorcist, written by William Peter Blatty. He's the same guy who ended up writing the screenplay for the movie. Not sure that was the best idea. Apparently not. The novel and subsequently then the movie were actually based in reality. It's based on a true story. Sure. A boy named Roland Doe in the 1940s allegedly experienced possession and had multiple exorcisms to free him from the demon. A lot of what happens in the book and the movie actually happened to this young boy. The vomiting, the swearing, the complete change in uh, personality... All this actually happened to this boy in the 1940s. Pixar, it didn't happen. Uh, There's like books written on it. What do you mean Pixar, it didn't happen? (laughs) Um, So at one point, the entire set went up in flames. And so after they put it all out, they had a priest come in and bless the set because they just weren't taking any chances. Smart. Apparently, allegedly, the only part of the set that didn't burn down, Reagan's bedroom. Wow. Where the possession takes place. Some theaters had to, after the first, after its opening, they had to stock up on barf bags and they would hand barf bags to people seeing the movie because people were throwing up in the theaters from what was happening. Well, a lot of people have that whole, if I see someone else throw up, I throw up kind of thing. Oh, I don't think it was just that. I think it was just the whole thing. That's fair. After this movie came out, Linda Blair had bodyguards with her 24-7 for about six months because she was getting death death threats from religious zealots who were mad because they thought the movie was glorifying Satan. <laughs> let me let me say this again. She was getting death threats from religious people because they thought the movie was glorifying Satan. Religious people, death threats. I don't think those two things are supposed to go together. They also must not have watched the movie. Because it's more so glorifying religion and saying this is what can save you if Satan were to attach itself to you. 
And lastly, this is the first ever horror movie nominated for Best Picture. Oh, that's neat. Wouldn't be the last one because obviously you had like Silence of the Lambs was nominated for Best Picture. Also one Best Picture. Is that a horror, a horror movie? Yes, it's a horror movie. It's classified as a horror movie. All right, Nits. Sure. I don't have any. Uh, noticing a clock stops, but doing absolutely nothing about it. It, it drove me nuts. I'm like, you look at it, but no. A kid having a four bu- uh, four poster bed frame. It's the 70s. Sure, I guess. And she's rich. You just happen to own a Ouija board? Uh, she said she found it. Know about it. She said she found it in the closet. We don't know if they actually owned it or if it was just magically put there. Ooh, is that the demonic thing that there we go. suddenly was well, put I said in your house? She, she had the Ouija board and that's how she got possessed was playing with it. Those weren't nice. Oh, that's it? Yeah, I'm ready for questions. Yeah, I didn't really have that many nits, but I have a, a shit ton of questions. <laughs> okay. Okay, why and how did she become possessed? Does the movie bother explaining it? No. no. It just is. And there's sometimes that that can work, like you don't need to explain it, but this one feels like you needed to. What the fuck was with the opening excavation? Why did we start there? It plays no part in the rest of the f- movie. I think it's just to get the statue of Pazuzu and... To say, hey, this is what's in the kid, I guess? Nah, stupid. Yeah. Did this movie go too far? Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. What's this movie a metaphor for? What were they actually trying to say with this movie? Religion can save you from your inner demons. Okay, I don't think that's what they were trying to say with this movie. Is there like, are we supposed to look at this as a commentary between mothers and daughters and their connection? You know, she's out she's working all the time the daughter's being raised by a nanny the daughter starts getting sick that's the only thing that brings the mother back in is there a weird sort of commentary on keeping close relationships hey you can make that theory because the mother doesn't know anything about her kid until everything goes down and then mother knows everything about her kid correct i don't know i don't know what the metaphor is i don't know what this movie was exactly trying to say there's a couple different things i didn't know what you thought is this the apex for movies of demon statues that have a snake for a dick? Yes. Perfect. Okay, last big last big question. Who's the demon? Pazuzu? Nope. Really? I, I'm asking. They don't name the demon in the movie. I would assume it was Pazuzu since you showed us a statue of Pazuzu. But they don't name it. In fact, Father Karras says there's three different things in there. And Father Marin says, no, there's only one. And he sees the pat- statue of Pazuzu, but, it, but the, Pazuzu wouldn't really make sense as the demon in her. The demon of the south wind. Yeah. I, All I'm weird. saying is that Father Karras had weird dream visions of the statue of Pazuzu that he's never seen while working with her. So I, I don't know. Is it weird that they just never name it? Isn't that like the whole thing? Every single exorcist horror movie that I've seen is like, you have to find out the demon's name. That's the only way to get rid of it. And then this movie's like, nah, we don't care. Nah. We'll just kill the person that it's in. Yeah. Okay. Why are there so many priests in this town? There's like three. There's so many. Every time you see like a shot with more people in it, there's always someone with one of the little bands, the white bands that say they're a priest. I mean, it's the 70s. A lot of churches, small town. I don't know. All the priests. Yep. Um, how much time has passed in this movie? I Two months? Does that sound like a good number? No. 
Three months? A huh. year? I guess. Maybe a year? Four months? I'm going to go four months. Okay. Right. The, the movie doesn't bother to tell you what no, it whatsoever. Doesn't. That's it. Because I, I, I already asked my one about why demons have to act out while they're possessing someone. I mean, for fun? Fair. For, I, they, yes. just, they ask for exorcisms at that point. <laughs> so, was it just me, or did you feel like the movie didn't have a script at times? Like, they were just saying words to say words? Definitely. Okay. Especially with the mother, who's just like, yeah, say whatever. Okay. Because a lot of it did not actually add to the plot whatsoever. It was just filler. What can we say to get us from point A of the exorcism, or point A of the possession, to point B of the possession? That's exactly what it felt like. Okay. Uh, one more question before we go into the normal ones. So at the very, very, very end of the movie, the priest that's friends with the family checks in on Reagan as they're moving out. And she notices his white collar and she kisses him. Reagan kisses mm -hmm. the priest. What do you think that was about? It was very weird that she like just focused on the collar and then kissed him. But I assume it's because somewhere deep down inside, even though she doesn't remember, she kind of knows like that's someone who saved me. Okay. I'm sure that's what the movie wanted us to think. Yeah. I just wasn't sure. Well, it doesn't it, bother to tell you. No, it doesn't play it very well either. Like it doesn't give you enough to solidify that as the reason, but I think it gives you enough that you can make that leap. Yeah. Okay. Just had to check. Memorabilia from the show, from the movie. Uh, let's go with Father Karras's necklace. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Let's do the Ouija board. Okay. But it has to be like that exact Ouija board, obviously. It looks like every other Ouija board, but yes. Certificate of Authenticity. Uh, fair. Would you watch a miniseries or a TV show of this? Mm. Would it make it better? It would probably make it better and it would be a miniseries. I would not do an entire TV show. Cause... No, you don't want to see this demon just go around possessing a bunch of different people every season? No. That would get repetitive and annoying. Fair. But would it though? Yes. Like what if he possessed like a bro down in Florida one season and then the next season it's like a single mom in LA and then the next season goes to, New goes to New York and it's like an Italian guy who's running a pasta shop. <laughs> like that'd be way different. I guess. But it all ends the same. That's fair. Yeah, I think I, I would probably watch this expanded out. Because I do think this movie went by, although it's two hours long, a lot of stuff just flew by, and they could have absolutely expanded some of it. Yeah. All right, let's go into awards. Okay. First up is the psycho shower scene for your favorite scene in the movie. Mine's Reagan. One of the possession points with Reagan is the doctors walk in to check on her, and they watch her just bouncing up and down in bed. And I don't mean she's jumping on the bed. I mean, she's literally sitting up. And she's falling backwards onto the bed, bouncing back into a sitting position and just rocking like that. Violently. Violently. Like she should be dead if she wasn't possessed. It's just great practical stuff. Looks oh, yeah. really cool. That's the stuff that actually gets you unnerved. Uh, for me, it's another bit of the possession. It's the bed levitating, the bed shaking and then levitating as they're doing the final exorcism because of the camera angle that they did. There's no real trickery in that. They... Somehow managed to do that, and that was just really cool for me. Cool. Next up is the I'll Be Right Back Award. I'll be right back! Oh! 
For your favorite line from the movie? Mine comes from Father Kerrigan when they're asking... Who the hell's Father Kerrigan? What, Karras? Karras? Karras. <laughs> Kerrigan. <laughs> Just a K name. Uh, from the main father, uh, when he's being asked about if he knows anyone who has a, a mental state where they would kill someone that that's killed earlier in the movie and his response back is just i can say it was part of confession incidentally i mentioned it only in passing i could always tell the judge it was a matter of confession yeah that's a good line it actually made me laugh <laughs> i think it's supposed to i think you're supposed to go "Ooh, yeah <laughs> i gotcha my award goes to reagan during the fancy party when she comes downstairs she just walks up to a random dude standing there, looks at him, and is just like, you're going to die up there. And then pisses herself. You're going to die up there. That's it. It's creepy as hell. I want to know why he's going to die up where. Yeah, but the ambiguity, ambiguity, ambiguity? No. You had it right the first time ambiguity whatever the ambiguousness of that line is i think what makes it scary yeah next is the prestige award every magic trick has a third act the part we call the prestige for the biggest wtf moment in the movie there's only one right answer there's well there's two right answers they're just very close together and i think i have one and i think you have the other and it's part of the possession we haven't touched upon yet because I, I didn't want to. I don't want to talk about this moment. So mine goes to where Reagan is masturbating with a cross, screaming, let Jesus fuck you. She's 12. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. Other stuff was creepy. Yep. We just get rid of it. D- delete it. Does not need to be there at all. And you still get the same same level of craziness. Exactly. Because I it goes one step further and it grabs the mom's head and puts it down there. And it's like, lick it. And it's like, no. All this sexual stuff is the worst part of this entire movie. Canceled. Right now. Yeah, I feel like if you re-edit this movie and just delete that part, better movie already. Oh, yeah. Next is the Jimmy Dugan Award. Boy, that was some good peeing. For the best time to take a piss break. The entire opening 35 minutes before (laughs) anything happens. Yeah. I'm going to make a bomb three-course dinner. I'm I'm going to take a nap. Like, wake me up when the possession starts. I don't need to be there for anything else. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Who cares? There's no need for it. Absolutely. And the last award, as always, is the Paul Rudd Award. I'm Paul Rudd, and I adapt. And this is for what you think held up the best since this movie came out. I think we're going to agree. Linda Blair as Reagan? I am not. Really? I'm not going to agree with you. She is honestly the best part of this movie. We haven't really touched upon her enough. Let's do it now. She did a fantastic job. She made it so believable that she was being possessed and she was having to say all these ridiculous things, do all this ridiculous things. And she just made it work. She scares the hell out of me. Like not actually, but she's so bloody good in this movie that it's embarrassing she didn't have a bigger career. Yeah. You know she's something that just stands out. When you think of the exorcist, you don't think of the father. You don't think of the mother. You don't think of anything else. You think of her because she is such a standout. This performance, there's a reason she was nominated because this performance is so fucking good. It just is. Yeah. 
Like, I believe her when she's not feeling well. I believe her when she's creepy. I believe her when she's just a playful girl at the beginning. She's she's on top of it every step of the way. It's so, unbelievable. So she is the best thing about this movie, in my mind. She's my 1B. Ah. My 1A goes to the practical effects. Ooh, yeah. Because I think you make this movie in 2023 and it's not as good because everything's CGI and you can tell that there's this weird uncanny valley going on with it where like it's real but not. Here, her bouncing up and down in the bed, real. Her levitating, real. The bed shaking, real. The vomit, real. The head spinning, although obviously not real, she can't really do that. They built a dummy body and did the head spin so that it could be real in the moment, physically there. Everything they did was physically there. Yeah. I mean, even when we see the priest see the statue next to her at the end, they just put the statue in the room and they just put fog over it so it looked blurry. They didn't just CGI that. They built it and they put it there. The practicals in his movie are just amazing. Him falling down the stairs, that's a real stuntman doing what he does. It's great. Incredible. So the practical effects get 1A for me. Linda Blair gets 1B. Fair. All right, final decisions. This movie does not hold up. It is paced so poorly, edited so poorly. You don't know what you actually want to focus on. And it's just not scary. It's gross, but it's not scary. I agree with you. So this movie for me is one of the most important movies in film history. And I do think people should study it, how it was made. But I don't think it's a good movie, especially for 2023. It's just not. It doesn't hold up. It's not scary. The pacing, like you said, is horrible. It's flatly lit. I don't think it's that great of a design. I think some of the acting is absolutely horrid. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Ellen Burstyn. He's you... the mom. You're you're weak. It's There's so much weak stuff happening in this movie, but it gets overshadowed by the, like, like, the two, two things, things that are great about yeah. it. So I think it's a movie that should be studied, but I don't think it's a movie that you can just watch and enjoy. Yeah, I, I legitimately don't think I could ever watch it again because it was such a slog to get through. Okay. This is definitely one of those movies that you remember being good because you watched it when you were five with your family, with your dad, with your mom, with your whoever, and that's always stuck with you. I beg you to go watch it again. You're probably going to be bored. Probably. The last 30 minutes is, is exciting. I like the last 30 minutes, but I don't want to watch the hour and a half to get there. Fair. So it doesn't hold up. And that's it for us. You got two people agree that it does not hold up. 1973's The Exorcist. We'll be back next week with another horror movie to round out the Halloween season. Until then, you can find us over on all of our social media by clicking any of the links in the description of this episode. Come let us know if you think The Exorcist holds up. And until next week, just remember, be good to yourself, be kind to others, and keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.